Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance here. Drance are back from the road in the studio. Of course, he is a Canucks insider, also covering the team at The Athletic. I don't like traveling as much as I used to, Jamie. <laughs> it's because you miss me. I think I think it's because I miss my dog, but I also do miss this. I'll be honest with you. It's hard to do the show remote. Yeah. I find it difficult to manufacture the same level of simmering chemistry that yes, we have in person. That, that we're famous for. <laughs> that, that everyone always says about us. That legendary chemistry. <laughs> Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. I really meant it. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the numerous amount of technical issues you have every time you go on the road. Uh, this was the smoothest week we've had in a it long time. It was amazing. It was. It was yes. amazing. How many days were you on? I'm three every week. Oh, okay. Well, I felt like Elon crushed it. Oh, thanks. Thursday and Friday in particular just yeah. went really smoothly. Just, just shout out to Elon. That's really. my protege. I'm so yeah, proud. Killed it. <laughs> Don't take credit for what Elon's doing. His success is my success. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Sure thing. Uh, we are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? 650. 650, of course, is the Dunbar Lumber text line. I mean, I feel like I already said welcome back and everything. So. Yeah, yeah. We can right, go, we'll, let's go to the whiteboard. Let's just get right into the whiteboard. <laughs> All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? Your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks today, February 12th. Normally, I do like some patter or something before I throw to the whiteboard, but I guess we'd already done that. So there we go. We're right into it. We'll start with the it headlines. Was a, it was a busy week. It was a very busy, like busy a very weekend. Busy weekend, yeah. Two games, the Canucks pick up. Three out of four points on the road on the weekend. OT loss in Detroit, followed up by an OT win in Washington. Okay, because it was such a meaty weekend. I, can I can I pitch you on something? Please do. Okay, let's spin this. Let's do a two round, so four total topics. Okay. Draft All of right. headlines. Okay. Okay. You want to go first? Um, You're prepared, so you should yeah, go first. I'll, what? Okay. I'll, <laughs> you you, you have, invented the you idea. You have headlines written out. I know, but. Uh, I'll take first pick, which is what I just said. The Canucks pick up three out of four points yeah. on the road. Okay. That's the number one headline. Team performance. Team performance. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> what? I'm right. <laughs> I'm not trying to galaxy brain a draft like you do. <laughs> uh, Canucks outplayed in Washington. Unlucky in Detroit. Right, it's like on form. You'd almost reverse the results. Mm, mm-hmm. Get we'll get two points in Detroit, one point in Washington, and I think that Demko great though. Like that was a goalie phenomenal. Win. Yeah, that was a goalie win for me. Um, I thought the Canucks looked tired, and and when you think about it, you know, you have that really long road trip. You come home and you've got this sort of relatively stacked week of games, all against opponents that are kind of hard to get your blood flowing for, mm-hmm. and then you go to the All Star break and you get some time off except not for a quarter of this team right Lindholm (laughs) gets traded right for talk it's in Toronto but then all the star players are in Toronto and like you know the all-star break's fun it matters a lot to players especially players who've never been there before Mm -hmm. you know what I mean players bring their families it's like a big deal obviously um uh, uh an honor you know, sometimes an inconvenience if you're like Oliver Bjorkstrand, but it's an honor fundamentally. And yet you go there and you get run around, you know, like there's stress involved in like performing and being like jovial, you know, and, and doing the skills competition and, and on and on. And then you're, you know, getting, 
you're, there's a lot of social interaction. Yep. There's a lot of media interaction. There's a lot of, uh, you know, what, what they call in the business a car wash, station to station. <laughs> you know, glad handing sponsors and signing upper deck cards and on and on, the whole nine yards. And then you sort of two practices in Raleigh, fly in that morning, practice in Raleigh, practice in Raleigh, game, day off, game, tough loss, practice, game, game. And I, I, to me, it felt like by the game in Washington, D.C., this club's tank was on empty. That, that's just what it felt like to me watching it, which is why I'm not, like, worried about anything we saw performance-wise. You know, like, just context. Good to get a win. Thank your goalie. Move on. And I think this is where having a variety of ways to win is so important, mm. right? You can go a little cold in terms of shooting. You can be tired after the, you know, the scheduling uh, circumstances that you outlined back to back on a road, three and four on the road. You can be in those circumstances and maybe some of the other things about your game aren't working. But Thatcher Demko is still brilliant, right? Thatcher Demko had the day off in Detroit. He comes in Washington and gets them that win. He and, was awesome. You know, we, I think... People in the market, and probably us as well, have been critical in past seasons of this team is too reliant on its goalie. And one of the rejoinders is always like, well, hey, the goalie's a part of the team. Don't apologize for getting great goaltending. And I think that's absolutely true. No one's ever demanded an apology, though. I want to note this. <laughs> but that's absolutely true. But it's a lot easier to be to just feel like uncomplicatedly really good about having a great goalie when it's not the only thing you rely on, right? Mm -hmm. When it's a hero or there, oh, hey, Demko, like when was the last time Demko, Demko stole this team a game? I can't remember it off the top of my head. So when it's, when it's not happening on a regular basis and when it doesn't feel like it's one of the only ways for your team to get a win, I think it's a lot easier to just kind of roll with it and say, yep, hey, we have Thatcher Demko, so we're going to win games like that sometimes. And that, again, it's one of the reasons that this team, you know, despite even at the height of the all oh, PDO and they were going to regress, we were still saying, yeah, but they'll still regress to being a good team because that's not the only thing driving them. They have other ways to win games. And I thought we saw that in particular uh, in Washington yesterday. OK, what's your pick for a headline from the weekend? Do the Canucks have to get vengeance on Jake Wallman for Boo. doing the gritty? Boo! That's my pick for a headline. I hate this. Oh. Well, what do you mean? It has to be discussed. Does it? Yes. Do, I, do we have to feed this narrative? It's not a narrative. It's just something that has to be discussed. Because, obviously, we saw the Morgan Riley. Mm -hmm. um, how do you say that other guy's name? Ridley Gregg? Greg. Greg? Greg. Ridley Gregg. Greg. Ridley Gregg. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, Ridley Gregg sends the big slap shot into the empty net. I'm laughing. Morgan Riley's not. Cross-check to the back of the head. He's been offered an in-telephone hearing. In person. In telephone. What did I say? In telephone. <laughs> Jesus. That was a Rick Dolly wall. We're me. living in the future. He's going to go into the phone. What's funny, what's funny too, is like <laughs> in the CBA, in the CBA, they call it a telephonic hearing. Yeah. It is like specifically codified as a- PH or F? Mm -hmm. PH. What do you, how, do you know how to spell telephone? <laughs> like what, what do you mean? I, I know how to spell telephone. I don't know. I don't know if telephonic is different. Well, use your head, man. What do you think it's going to be? <laughs> Dom frequents some like underground rave called like telephonic. And it's with the F and the K. Yes. Yeah. Dom needs hook, I mean, hooked on phonics. Jamie. Relax. Dom's ears perked up. He's like, we going this weekend? <laughs> like, no, then that's for you and Elon. We're going to frog. <laughs> um, okay. So and anyway, I just. Sometimes that trips me up because yeah. I'm trying so hard not to say telephonic hearing, mm -hmm. which would obviously make me sound like me. Yes, yeah. of course. Anyway, yeah. whew, good start for me you to this you, point. Thomas. 
So now people are going to ask what what should happen with Wallman, given that he did an over-the-top goal celebration after an emotional win over the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Riley's going to get the book thrown at him just mm-hmm. because stick to head. We've talked about this before. Uh, league has to come down on those for a variety of like long-term liability reasons. Like it's in the league's interest. You just can't do that stuff. For me, though, the Wallman thing, like to me, the Wallman thing is more like a the Wallman thing is more like a bat flip. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like definitely don't like it if it ha- if it happens against you, but it's not like disrespectful in the moment to your team. It's more celebratory. Yeah, of course. You know what yeah. I mean? As opposed to the the Greg thing. So for me anyway, I think it's one where it's like you got to beat Detroit. Detroit's been on a heater. Like this team's playing really well. You can't look past a team that's 7-2 and 1 in their last 15 games including having beaten you mm-hmm. um over the weekend. You can't go into that game concerned about getting even with Jake Wallman. Like get even by beating him and then celebrating. Well, you know what I mean? But and, and but I, take his number. Sure, and look, hey, if you <laughs> want to like a face wash and a scrum or whatever, oh, sure, yeah. but it Finish cannot be it cannot become like the theme of the evening, right? And no. you look at what uh, what you know what Morgan Riley did after that one, but then even more than just the reaction, because hey, even you know like players, you you lose your head out there sometimes. It happens. I'm not condoning what Morgan Riley did, but it bad things happen like that sometimes. But what's been even more embarrassing has been the back padding from the Leafs, starting with Sheldon Keefe calling it appropriate, Ryan Reeves today, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. What was really Greg thinking? How could he? Of course I support what Morgan Riley done. Like, he would have been on the ice a lot longer if I'd been out there. The Leafs seem to think they, like, proved a point or accomplished something rather than just Morgan Riley having a really stupid moment. And I think that's profoundly embarrassing for the Leafs. Like this idea, like profoundly embarrassing. This idea that like, oh, we're soft, so we got to go and show how tough we are. Does anybody think the Leafs are tougher or that Morgan Riley's a really tough guy now after a result of that? In fact, if I was a potential first round playoff opponent for the Leafs, I'd be looking at this and saying, wow, these guys are soft. You can rattle them incredibly easily. One kind of cheeky play and they go nuts and then spend like days after talking about it and talking about how tough they are because they're so easy to knock off their game. I like that as tactics. Like I like it as tactics and jerk puck matters, right? Like a player with a target on their back can turn that to their advantage if they're smart about it. I've seen Nazem Kadri do it yeah. like 18 times yeah. in his career where it's like the game wasn't broken open by a great skill play, but by the fact that the other team was running around and Kadri drew like three penalties and all of a sudden it's two nothing on the power play. So you know, like, you, like I think if you just if you're playing the Leafs in the first round, you're like, oh, yeah, I can I can 100 percent rattle these guys. I can get in their heads so easily. It makes them look soft more than anything else. And I think that's one of the downsides of buying into and the Leafs have earned this, right? They've had so many first round playoff disappointments and then even, you know, they get past the first round and then it's another disappointing exit in the second round. But they have just like fully at an organizational level, apparently bought into this idea that they are mentally soft. And once you do that and you're like constantly looking for these opportunities to prove how tough you are, you've lost the plot and it's over. You know what I mean? And so for the for the Canucks, I think it's all like I think we're talking about the Wallman thing more because oh, the, the Riley, Riley thing, thing it's happened. An, it's an entry into that. Conversation. Yeah. Whereas if if it had been like a month later or something, we'd probably just move on. But I want to see this Canucks team like, sure, hey, pay a little extra attention, whatever, but keep this in proportion. You're a good team. You don't have to go run around yep. after Jake Wallman to prove how tough you are. That's we're, not going to prove how tough you are. We're, we're, we're in the same we're in the same boat. Like, take the number, but you don't have to, quote unquote, respond. No, in my mind, that's not the sort of thing that like 
policing the game is des- should be designed respond to by out. winning. Yeah, that's what you, that's how you respond and, and finish it or two. <laughs> that's fair, but it's just like when you're so obsessed with it, it's you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. All right, next topic: Niels Hoaglander top six audition. All right, woo. That's Going that's well. that's my draft topic. It literally finishes with a woo. Um, <laughs> Niels Hoaglander's good, and something one thing to note: like you, there's this genre of player, right? And it's like often undersized, rate scoring stud in the bottom six. And there's questions reasonably about how does that scale if the players minutes are uh, tick up and the quality of the competition that they face ticks up Mm -hmm. and their expectations in terms of, you know, obviously if you're playing with Elias Pettersson, uh, you're expected to score a little more than you are when you're playing with Niels Amon, obviously. Some players can handle it. Some players can't. We don't actually know if Niels Hoaglander can, but we got like the start of a really promising yes over the course of this weekend. Two key goals, both of them to level the score. The second one was uh, an incredible skill play, just like uh, an absolutely mouthwatering finish on the backhand to beat Darcy Kemper. Uh, Nice stuff. I I mean, you know, we've talked about a a fair bit over the course of the season, the Canucks push in the top six, right? And and occasionally we've talked about, hey, maybe the, some of the solutions are in-house and guys like Garland and Hoaglander. Hoaglander's the first guy to get a look because no one can ever separate Bluger, Garland, uh-huh. and Dakota Joshua. No, absolutely not. They're going to like be like 80 years old playing cribbage, <laughs> those three at this point. Just completely inseparable. Um, but Hoaglander's taken an audition and like very much seized it. Yeah, 100%. And that finish against Washington was just like, ooh, oh, so good. Absolute mint. So fantastic. And... Look, Rick Chocolate has been very open about the idea that there are audition, there's spots open yep. in the top six. So when you get those opportunities, so huge to take advantage of them, like uh, like Niels Hoaglander did. Um, I my last topic, I guess, I don't know. Is this? I don't. I don't think it's fair to say this has been the most frustrating stretch of the Canucks season because they're still picking up points and they did have that kind of alternating win loss five hundred stretch in November. Yeah. But it does feel like, and now the fact that they get that win in Washington, I think changed the tenor of the conversation around the team a lot compared to what it would have been if they had lost in overtime or lost even in the shootout against the Capitals. But I I have noticed, and maybe this is just a, a function of the standards raising for this team, right? And the team going all in and going and getting uh, Elias Lindholm well before the trade deadline. But I feel like I've noticed more dissatisfaction, starting with the loss in Boston and then continuing even in these weekend games, even though they pick up three out of four points with this team from the fan base than I have probably at any point this season, really. Maybe other than like when they lost to Philly uh, in game three of the season. So uh, that's kind of a general vague headline, but I do think it's something worth monitoring is, okay, you've got a chance to finish this road trip 3-1-1 one, and one against Chicago on Tuesday. Are we seeing a new level for the Canucks? Is this, as you put it at the athletic, just kind of, you know, the way uh, uh, even a dream season has its ebbs? What is this? Or is this, uh, is it something to be concerned about? Or is it, in fact, just kind of a blip in an otherwise dream season? I, I don't think it's a blip. I think it's a stretch where the Canucks have not been to use some of the favorite phrases that we've used all season. Like, this team has not been running downhill, right? They mm-hmm. haven't had the wind at their back. They've been running into the wind, and they've been running at like a moderate incline because there's still a fair bit of good fortune in, in their favor. Um, but, you know, you, you go back about 10 games, which gets us 
you know, after they left New York, right, having put the Harlem Globetrotters to shame, like the Harlem Globetrotters had to fold up shop. They were like, oh, the Vancouver Canucks have replaced us now, right? Like, that was how good they were in New York. Uh, you got a one-goal win over Buffalo, an o- a o- OT loss, to, or it was a shootout, shootout loss? loss to Columbus. Extra yeah. time loss to Columbus. You know, um, is, is the Toronto game in there? No. The Chicago game... The yes, get, they would have come home and played Toronto. Toronto. Okay, yeah. so the one effervescent sick yeah. win, and then this kind of like mash yeah. Chicago game. Need comebacks against St. Louis and and the Blue Jackets. Good performance in Carolina. Dreadful one in Boston, and then this weekend's games. You know, you you sort of think about those games. It's like these. This is like normal hockey team games where you're not going to stretch the lead to three. You're not getting the goal necessarily in the first 10 minutes if you even open the scoring. Sometimes your mistakes get punished. Like, this has been a team that hasn't been re- been able to rely on uh, the good fortune of, of, of bounces, and they've got, what, 15 points over that stretch. Like, mm-hmm. to me, what we're seeing now is this team's baseline, and, and I actually think you can learn more about a team when they're in one of these frustrating stretches. And, and what I think we're learning about the Canucks here is Man, this team is really hard to score on. No matter how good their goaltending yep. is, because it's been great some nights and and less good or or just normally good some nights. Um, this team is really hard to break down. They're hard to they're harder to break down on the PK than they've been in years. They're really they're really managing almost elite results five on five. Um, this team's forward depth remains very dangerous. Mm-hmm. A, a big edge for them game in game out. This team's five on five or top six five on five production. When the when the percentages even out, it's a little bit concerning. At mm-hmm. the very least, I think it's fair to be like, hey, you know, this team hasn't been producing enough five on five with their best players on the ice, especially when they bump into great teams. And I think you hit it also with um, with with it occurring right as they're integrating Lindholm into the lineup. It makes it a little bit hard to interpret. Okay, how much of this is about bringing a new guy in? How much of this is about him? Is, totally. he, is he clicking? Which I think he's playing just fine, actually, uh, despite you know being held off the score sheet since those two goals against Carolina. It's a little hard to get a read on exactly what it is, but uh, I mean, the good thing is one, they're still picking up points, and they've built themselves such a cushion that they're still in a very, very enviable place going into the final stretch uh, of the season here. I think it's a positive thing. It's like regression is hit, and the Canucks are still winning, which shows you that anyone who was saying this team doesn't have a decent baseline was kind of like out to lunch. This team's got enough outs. They've got different ways to win games. They're holding up, even though some of the, you know, like pixie dust dust deflections Mm -hmm. have gone in against them, right? Like all of a sudden the Pasternak stick breaks and it's going in your net. Um, The the puck deflects off a skate and it's in your net off Ovechkin's shot, right? Like we've seen bounces start to go against the Canucks at a higher clip. And it hasn't mattered because of this team leveling up defensively, the quality of their goaltending, um, and uh, in my opinion, the the crucial contributions of their forward depth. Uh, quickly in the broadsheet, uh, Elliot Friedman on Donnie and Dolly, the interesting quote for me, when Rutherford thinks he can win, he's never satisfied, and he thinks they can win. And Friedman went on to say, you know, probably out on the biggest players, but this is Jim Rutherford. If he thinks there's something he can do to improve the team even 1%, he's, go- he's not going to stop trying. So a message there, be on alert. Something else of varying significance could easily happen uh, between now and the trade deadline. I do want to, we can come back to that conversation oh, yeah. at some point in the show. And we will. But I do want to hit the lineup notes here. Uh, Jet team Wu. announced, yeah, Carson Soucy placed on IR. Jet Wu recalled from Abbotsford. Uh, Wu was 
selected in the same draft as Quinn Hughes. And I don't know if he'll get a chance to make his debut, right? Because he could just be insurance for the game against Chicago. Let's see if he slots in or not. But still, big moment for him, for a guy who has you know, had some really high ups. Like, remember, he popped in his draft plus one year. Yes, it was like, did. oh, wow, this is really, really exciting. Since then, there's been a lot of downs to the point where we thought he might be out of the organization. Now getting the call Bounced up. Bounced back last huge season. Huge moment for Jet Wu. Yeah. yeah, had a really big, progressed in a major way last year. Yeah. Um, versatile enough to play the left and right side, despite being a righty. Genuinely physical. Like, genuinely mm. a very physical player. Um you know, some baseline offensive skills, which, you know, is all defensemen have needed to thrive in this system. Yeah, that's a good point. To this point, like, yeah. you know, credit, foot, and company, because, you know, you've seen over the course of this year, like Noah Juleson, Tyler Myers, like a lot of guys who haven't necessarily seemed like the most reliable puck movers have, like, been good enough while also being able to contribute the things they are good at, you know, in Juleson's case, penalty killing and, yep. and physical defensive play. In Myers's case, you know, surfing, defending at the blue line, uh, transitioning with the puck, being a large man <laughs> in traffic, right? Like, all of that's been accentuated for him. So, the the t- to me, though, the big story here is Susie's been on the roster, putting him on IR, no problem. Like he's obviously going to miss more than a week. You go retroactive. He's like eligible to return tomorrow. If you, if he was available, he's not going to be. Um, So that's just paper, but they don't play again after Chicago. They come home. Mm -hmm. So to me, that suggests with Zadorov still suspended, uh, they needed an extra body there. There is a guy who might be hurt enough that they're at least in question going into that game against Chicago. So that to me is the story here is like, is everyone healthy? Mm-hmm. Is everyone healthy, or are we going to see the Canucks have to play a lineup that features, you know, Wu, Friedman, and Juleson? Um, yeah, that that to me is especially because Willannon and Hirose are both like injured long term yes. down on the farm. So uh, quickly, defensive depth could become a story if there's something meaningful here, and not just like a, a banged up guy who's you know day to day and maybe questionable tomorrow, but will probably go. We'll, we'll yeah, know more and we'll see if practice. they do the one of the new trademarks, which is everyone skates in the uh, in warm up, right? Like we've seen that <laughs> quite a bit. So. I would think uh, so. so. We'll see how that shakes out, especially because Jet Wu's never been up to the NHL. Yeah. So of course, if he flies to Chicago, put on a jersey mm, and go and warm up because yeah. you know for a veteran player that's annoying, but for a guy like Jet Wu, it's like wow. Unreal, yeah. you know, you work your whole life to get to something like so that. So big moment for Jet Wu. Quickly on the playoff forecast, Canucks, despite we're talking about, oh, a little bit of slip and play and all that, still dominating the projection. 71% chance to win the division per Dom's model up at the Athletic. That's up from a 65% chance on Friday. And they are still projected to finish with 112 points. That's the best in the league by three points over Dallas. Incredible. So favorites in the uh, in the Western Conference, favorites in the division, obviously favorites in the President's Trophy race as well. They remain. And gambling odds. The line is open for tomorrow's game in Chicago. The Canucks, you will be not remotely surprised to hear our heavy favorites, heavy road <laughs> favorites, but. Not like wildly heavy. My, minus 300 in some places, minus 275 in other places. About a 285, um, minus 285 sort of average there, meaning that they're about, you know, 74% favorite. That's pretty strong in hockey, but mm-hmm. it's not the, you know, uh, Man City versus Burnley <laughs> type numbers that we saw earlier in the year. 
Um, so Blackhawks plus 240, and then the total is set anywhere between six and five and a half, plus money on the over, which is really a bet against Chicago's ability to score goals on Thatcher Demko, I'd think, as opposed to anything else. That's the whiteboard for today, February 12th. We'll take a break. Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and In Goal Magazine joins us next here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650.